Hi, this is Shannon Miles, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J. And thank you so much for tuning in to episode 163 of Chasing Dreams. Before we go too much further, guys, this episode is sponsored by our Patreon campaign supporters. Thanks to all of you for not just your monetary support, but for also believing in my mission to help inspire, empower, and equip people to chase their dreams. Your help makes it possible for me to continue that work. For more information on our Patreon campaign, and or if you'd like to donate a dollar a month to help keep the show going, you can learn more at amyj21.com slash Patreon. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Dream Chasers, I want you to meet Shannon Miles. Shannon is a master delegator. Her and her husband, Brian, grew a two-person operation into a staff of 60 corporate team members by seeing where they were the strongest and delegating the rest. They lead with trust and have a thriving business built on the premise that adults are adults and can handle their business. The pair are also visionaries of the virtual workplace. Shannon's passion, in addition to helping others realize the freedom they receive from delegating, is to bring to light the challenges women face in the workplace. From finding the courage to ask your boss for a flexible schedule, to deciding if there's an option for you outside 100% full-time on-site office work and 100% full-time stay-at-home mom. Shannon has walked the walk and is here to lead other women on the journey to finding their own third option, which happens to be the title of her book. So guys, welcome to the show, Shannon Miles. Shannon, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh my gosh, it's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. So let me ask, where do we find you today? I am outside of Atlanta in a, a tiny town now, that it's just easier to say Atlanta for. <laughs> we are, um, this is just for this hurricane is coming and why not. Are you guys affected by that down there? We might get some rain. Yeah, we were hit by a couple last year, yeah. um, down trees and flooding and, and stuff, but uh, we will definitely not feel the brunt of it like some of the coastal towns will. So thoughts and prayers to all those guys. Absolutely. Um, and be safe. Whatever you do, guys, please just be safe. Um, so Shannon, what's interesting with you and the reason I wanted to talk to you today is what came across and what I was told was you have a book. It's called The Third Option. Why a woman doesn't have to choose between a career and a family, but can actually have both and succeed. And guys, you can find the links to the book and learn more about Shannon on the show notes page. But what I love is you say that you can have both. Oftentimes in life, that's not the case. How did that epiphany come to you? Yeah, you know, you feel like you have to choose sometimes and you realize some days, huh, you really don't. Um, you know, for me, the journey started when I was working um, in a large corporation and had actually like achieved my dream job there. 
it was like my fifth year at that company. And I had worked my way up to this beautiful sales role that I loved. And my husband and I decided it would be a great time to have a baby. <laughs> um, because why not? Right. Yeah. Cause, cause why not? Like that shouldn't change anything. Right. Um, so the plan was for me to go back to this beautiful sales job that I loved so much. And my husband was selling as well. And we were to hire a nanny and everything was going to work. And, um, that's exactly what we did for about four months. (laughs) Four (laughs) months. Yeah. You know, I took that three month maternity leave. And realized after I went back to work, like, oh my goodness, everything that was laid out on paper um, for me to be able to, in my mind, to have it all, to have the career that I love, to have this this amazing little baby, to to maintain my my you know sanity as a woman and thrive. Like I just couldn't do it all. I really genuinely could not. And so it it started my husband and I on some really challenging discussions of what does our life actually need to look like? Because two people in sales with a baby just wasn't the life that we actually wanted, even though it seemed like it was. Um, so what happened was I realized this part-time position had kind of been created in my absence when I was on leave. Okay. And I thought, man, maybe, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could just go part-time, you know, cause we hadn't planned financially for me to stay home, but I knew I couldn't continue this full-time work anymore. Mm-hmm. So, so that really started me on this journey of like part-time remote work that worked for me for the next five years at that organization. Wow. So it, it wasn't exactly what you were looking for. It wasn't exactly what you were doing, but you found a way to still maintain what you wanted to do. Yeah, it was my sort of hybrid way of having it all. But what I realized in that process was having it all did not look exactly like I thought it should. And I had to readjust and kind of reframe my mindset to be realistic about what I wanted long term and and figuring out how to get there in the short term. And so for me, that meant taking kind of a humbling career change, you know, leaving that sales position that I love so much to take a part-time program management job, which ended up being right up my alley. But, you know, as a woman kind of working in a a man's environment, I had to set aside, um, I don't know if ego is too strong of a word, but, you know, sort of the pride pride? for, yeah. 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 And, but, but it was for the right reasons, you know? And so even though mentally it was kind of difficult, I knew in the long term it was going to give me the time with my newborn daughter that, that I really desired. Well, when you say it was difficult, right? Is it because, because I don't want to put words in your mouth. Was it because you were looking at the traditional thought process with corporate that you, you have to stay where you're at if you want to climb the ladder of success and, you know, there's only one way or, or no way? You're exactly right. That's exactly what it was. And, you know, for me, I think I came from really like humble beginnings and had to work really hard for every position that I achieved. So the notion of like not continuing that upward climb, that was hard. That was a hard mental shift. But I also knew that I didn't want to stay home either. Like I I never really felt like being a stay at home mom was the path that I was supposed to be on because I love working so much. Um, so when I talk about the idea of a third option, it's, there's so much space available to us in between that full time, you know, nine to five, maybe you're traveling some climbing that corporate ladder. 
all the way to to staying at home, whether it was, you know, my specific situation where it was because of, of having a child. But I think other people are faced with their decisions in a different way. Maybe it's, you know, having to care for aging parents or maybe, you know, a career has run its course for them and they're like, man, I got, you know, like I'm at a loss as to what to do next. There's all kinds of third options in between. Yeah, and I love that you said that because I think so. sometimes, especially what's depicted on multimedia in TV, movies, we only see one way. Mm-hmm. And I think we often forget, hey, life is not black and white. Mm-hmm. It is not binary. And, you know, in writing the book and getting um, feedback from it, one of my favorite like inspirations was from a woman who doesn't even have kids yet. And she said, listen, I've always, I've grown up in an environment of stay at home moms. You worked until you had children. And I always thought that had to be my path, even though I don't want it to be. And so this opened up my, my horizon to say, maybe there is a different way for me to, to not be so black and white, but to find the shade of gray that works for me in this next season. But you guys went ahead and did something even more what to me seems not extreme, but very, I mean, I'm very proud that you did it. I think I'd be scared to do it, but (laughs) you know where I'm going with this. You cashed in your 401k, all of it, um, and the tax implications alone would have scared me, uh, and founded Belay. We did. Yeah. So back that, that initial journey of, you know, having our daughter, that was 2005. Okay. So for the next five years, that third option just kept working through the birth of our second child, our little boy Harper. And, um, and, and then there came a season in 2010 where my husband and I both sort of reached this, this turning point in our careers. Um, I don't know if you've experienced this in your journey, but like it just came to, to a place where we were both so unsettled with what we were doing and being like almost prompted to make a big change that it was beyond the next position. It was not taking the same job at another company. It was like, okay, this, this prompting that we're both feeling is, is something bigger than that. So we'd always wanted to have a company of our own, but honestly, we didn't know exactly what it should be or when the timing would be or how we should go about doing it. But that, that dream was always there. And so when we both had this overwhelming urge of like, let's do something big, like let's make a, let's take a big risk and make a big move. Um, we, we realized that was the time for us to leave our jobs. And like you said, start, you know, like cash in our 401ks and start belay. And it was scary. It was absolutely terrifying. (laughs) Um, because at that point our daughter was five, our son was two. We were in our, thirties. Um, so I mean, fortunately we had that sort of nest egg to be our seed funding. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were kind of betting on ourselves and doing that. Um, but it was just, we were so compelled to do it that that drive overtook the fear of what we were doing. And see here, here's the thing. This is why I, I wanted to have you on the show because you don't just talk the talk. You've walked the walk and you're still walking it. And for you both to cash this in, for your kids to be five, not theoretical kids, to have kids, you're raising kids to just leave that job and say, you know, we're all in with this. That's phenomenal. Mm. 
you know, and then a testament to, to your story. Yeah, it, I, I think that our years of corporate experience really helped. I mean, those those opportunities that both of us had individually in our separate companies, I can look back and see when, you know, starting Belay, how we were able to use all of those various skill sets in launching the company. And so I think like for the listener who's in a role and it's like, you know, this isn't what you should be doing long term, like doesn't mean all of that experience can be for not, you know, like you can leverage all of that background for whatever your next season or your next journey is. Um, yeah, but we did, it was really tempting Amy too to like stay on, you know, we're like, okay, maybe, maybe Brian, you just start and I'll hang back here and keep the healthcare and maybe we'll phase this in. But we kind of got enough interest early on where we were like, you know what, if we're going to do this, like if we're really going to give this opportunity, everything we can and go all in, like we've got to just literally go all in. So that meant we quit our, we gave our notice on the same day and, and just set aside all the temptation to kind of like dip our toes in the water for too long, because we really felt like, all right, we've got this runway of money and we've got to hustle like crazy to start to turn a profit or, or we're done. And so there was that hunger there of like, we better be all in because this thing's got to work. And if it doesn't, <laughs> at least we were in our thirties and, you know, hopefully God willing, we could recover someday and, you know, get back what we had wasted in our retirement. <laughs> well, so this is the thing, because of all the things you could have started, of all the companies you could have founded, why did you start this company? And and can you talk a little bit about its purpose and what, what it's doing for others? Yeah, so it totally ties into the third option concept that we were mm -hmm. just talking about. Um, so Brian was working for a construction company and we were here in the Atlanta area at that time. His assistant, his virtual assistant, was in Charlotte, and then his company was based in Ohio. So this was back in 2010, where like virtual assistants were kind of a thing, and the four-hour work week was out there, and the concept was there, but like it wasn't being done with any amount of excellence from what we could find, and there wasn't a strong emphasis on relationships. So based on Brian's experience with his assistant Trisha, he's like, you know, I think you know there's there's a need for this. You know, like we can kind of see where. Markets are shifting and, you know, people need high quality assistance that they can rely on. And it can be a really intimidating thing to give something away to somebody that you'll never see, you know, to outsource a very intimate part of your business that might be your email or your calendar. But like, it can work. Like, I'm living proof that it can work. And I, on the other hand, was on the other side of it and saw assistants that did not do a great job with the organization I was with. So we kind of knew what not to do as well. And so that was the, the genesis of the idea. Um, and then what made it super cool and like heartfelt for me is that a lot of the women that we partnered with initially to be the virtual assistants, or we, we did bookkeeping, um, like about a month after we really were all in. Um, so those were kind of our two core services from the beginning and they still are today, um, is that a lot of the people who were doing the work as virtual assistants and bookkeepers are living out their own third option. So they are working, you know, part-time remote um, that gives them the freedom and flexibility to, to have the type of lifestyle that they want and still use their professions. And so it not only was meeting a need 
in the marketplace with the customers that we were serving, but then also the need of this untapped pool of talent who wants to work hard and do a great job, but wants to be there when their kids get off the bus. And so it checked all the boxes for us. And we talked about this offline. It's interesting because the the reason it resonated me um, was delegation. And one of the things I've been, I started this whole journey unofficially, officially, whatever it is, probably about five years ago, not knowing what it was, the purpose and whatnot. And it was probably three years ago that I began understanding the importance of delegation and getting the time back for yourself. But I, and I told you this, I got the epiphany of why it was even more important outside of the selfish reason, um, selfish reasons for myself. Others, it's not necessarily selfish. It's just how I saw it um, in this past year. And that was that, you know, while this isn't my strength, there are certain things that are not my strength and not my passion. Um, I could help someone else who has a dream of Excel and numbers and crunching and, you know, doing video editing and stuff. And so by not delegating, I'm not only, you know, losing time for myself, but I'm also not helping someone else who would like to do it. So if I delegate, I'm helping someone else pursue their dreams. And so that kind of, that light bulb kind of went off in my head this year. That is so beautifully put. And we've even had customers who have come to us for that exact reason. Like they've known conceptually, okay, I can't do it all. You know, there are things that have to happen in my business and it's not my skill set. but I don't think anybody else wants to do them either. But then once they have a similar epiphany that you've had of like, no, like people actually love to do this stuff. Like, even though I don't, like it is somebody else's dream and they've come to us and signed on for that very reason. Cause for whatever reason, I think there's sometimes guilt associated with delegation. Yes. And I don't know if it's the sense of like, we should be able to handle it all because we're super amazing people and like, it's our responsibility. Or if it's like, oh gosh, I don't want to burden anybody else with this stuff. It's not, you know, it's not high payoff activities. It's not really intellectually stimulating work like who would want to do this Mm -hmm. but it's it's not true none of it's true well that's the big thing right the guilt if i can't chase my dream and do this all by myself then am i really truly chasing it in with a hundred percent i think that's out there for people i think we think that and it's it's hard to change a mindset right as you're as you you're raised and maybe it's not everyone. You know, I've seen kids, not just myself. You're raised to to work in teams in, during school, but when you study, when you work, it's kind of you. It's your you, you, you. And so yeah. we're we're not raised to be like, hey, how can someone so help you? And I think that's one of those limiting beliefs mm. that keeps us from pursuing our dreams. Indeed. Because I think it's one of those like, if I really were the right one to pursue this, then I'd be able to handle it all. And that is absolutely not true. And I'll tell you a story that illustrates this perfectly. So, right, we bootstrap this thing, mm-hmm. you know, we're using our 401k money to, to pay for everything. So one of the first things that we 
set up in the business is QuickBooks. Like I'm not a financially minded person, but I was kind of running the operations at the time. So it's like, all right, this is my responsibility. Let me get QuickBooks. Let me get a little bit of training and figure out how to do our bookkeeping. And I don't know, that lasted about five minutes. (laughs) And Brian goes, I love you. You're not going to do these books anymore. Not because I couldn't have figured it out, but it was not the best use of my time. And it was not something that I enjoyed doing. And I think we have to be realistic when we look at all the things that have to happen in a business or to pursue a dream. Like there's going to be those things, but there are people, other people out there that can do them. So right away, that was one of the first thing that was the first thing that we delegated in our business. Um, No, that was the second thing. Actually, no joke. I'm not making this up. The first thing was that we started working with Brian's assistant from his old company. (laughs) (laughs) We literally are practicing what we are preaching, um, you know, from the beginning. And she's uh, funny enough. She's our COO. Mm -hmm. Oh, Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So she's uh, been with us since day one, but she started out as a five week virtual assistant because there were like proposals and contracts and, and sales calls that she could set up for Brian. And so I guess my point in all of that is you do not have to go alone. Like when you're, when you're setting out to pursue your dream, you don't have to do it by yourself. Outsourcing delegation, that can, that can be part of your strategy. And yes, it takes money. But if you look at the value of your time and what the things are in the business that you really enjoy and that will give you a high payoff, like there's probably a, you know, those are probably the things that you need to be focusing on, not all the other stuff that has to happen. You know, it, I love I love that story also because I think more and more people need to help their friends and those around them along the way. Yeah. You know, I love that that she was able to become like she started off working and now she's your COO. Mm hmm. That is fantastic. And I got, listen, I applaud you guys for that. I love hearing stories where people who know each other, who came from similar backgrounds or friends or cousins, whatever the case is, hey, yeah. I brought them along with me. It, 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 it is risky. I will be honest with you. Mm-hmm. It is a risk that I think is worth taking and figuring out if it's going to work for the people that you're wanting to invite into your business and the work that you're doing. I mean, we've made friends... Uh, you know, we've hired other friends that that haven't worked out. Um, Trisha has and other people like our CFO was also an assistant for us. And I think for us, it's just been a, a strategy of, of development of leadership development. Because if you know, when you have a new business, when you're bootstrapping it, and you're in startup mode, like everybody's wearing the hats, right? You're all rolling up your sleeves and putting in the hard work. And if you do that hard work with people that love you, and care about you and want to see not only your dream fulfilled, but see their dream as part of it. Like that's a beautiful thing. It's worth trying to see if it works. Um, and, and that way, you know, that there is not any job in the company that they won't do, you know, like you're the, nobody is above the work that needs to be done at that, you know, that early startup stage of the business. And so that has been a leadership development strategy that we've used. We'd much rather promote from within and develop the the team members into leaders as the business has grown and afforded that ability. And so of our leadership team that we have in place, they've all grown up through the ranks, like all, you know, and, and our team 
is always looking for opportunities to to grow individually because I think it is fun to have people that love you and care about you as part of your dream, especially in those early days. I'm glad you put the caveat because yes, it it, it doesn't always work. Right. <laughs> it doesn't always work. I, de- I have had experiences where someone I know had signed up to do, um, without names, uh, marketing. Mm-hmm. And I remember a week had gone by, I was like, well, I didn't, I didn't see any posts go up. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, hey, and it's like they just completely forgot. I was like, okay, you know what? We're just going to not. And you're right. You got to you got to really think twice because it can affect relationships, guys, if if you don't handle it correctly. But like Shannon's saying, it is it can be worth the risk because when when you help someone else grow, you only grow brighter. Mm. And I think, you know, one of the things we kind of take for granted with friends and family or maybe even former colleagues is that there's just this assumption that they know what to do, that not only do they have the technical skills, but they know you and they know how to communicate with you and they know how to meet your expectations. But it's actually not true. You still have to over communicate with the people on your team, whether you have a history with them or not, because you're all in this new journey together. And like to the point where even, you know, with Brian and I starting the company together, we were working side by side for a long time before video chatting became such an integrated part of our business. And you can't both be doing that side by side. Um, But there was just this assumption that because, you know, we're husband and wife and we're co-owners and we're in this business together, we're working side by side that we just knew what each other was working on. And we realized even in those early days, no, that's not true. Like we still needed to have meetings. We needed to have agendas. We needed to have the talking points for the important things that we had to discuss or cover in the business because there is no osmosis, you know? And I think with our family members and and people that we know from prior experiences, maybe there's this comfortability that we kind of get slack in our communication sometimes, um, but if anybody, I think that is maybe one thing to, to deploy if you do end up hiring friends or family. It's like still be intentional about setting expectations and communicating and having that feedback loop. And sometimes it, resi- you know, it results in courageous conversations that have to happen. And, and sometimes it, you, know, you, you get to the end of the journey and you're like, oh man, that was an experiment that failed, but we tried <laughs> Right. Cause at least you could say that. At least you could say that. I mean, is there something about having gone on this journey now? It's been about what, eight years? Yeah. Yeah. We're coming up on our eight year anniversary. We kind of marked December 1st as our, yeah, eight year. Nice. So having done that, having it been eight years, what is something looking back you would have done differently when you first started out? Um, I think I would have... I definitely would have delegated sooner. Um, I would have let some, some experimental ideas go sooner as well. And what I mean by that is there was this one particular service that we had that I, I just, I had a heart for it. I wanted it to work really bad, but the market was telling me that it should go away. <laughs> you know? What I mean by that is it was taking about 20% of my time and resulting in 4% of our revenue. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, I think we have 
a difficult time sometimes when we're launching a business or pursuing our dream of separating the reality of what we're doing from the emotion of what it took to get us there. And I think I would have woken up to the reality that, okay, this isn't something that like we've, we try to tweak and modify and, you know, get it to, to something beyond what it was. And it was just like pushing a rock, a boulder uphill. And I would have let it go a lot sooner. It's hard to let those things, especially the ones that are like your babies. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard to let them go. It is. But I think, okay. So then, you know, to that point, I think inviting people into the business to speak in, you know, externally into the business, people whose opinions you value and trust, um, they can be the the voice of reason in those situations. You know, not that you need too many outside influences, but like thing, there are resources like your podcast. There are resources like business coaches and mentors. Um, there are professional associations that I think if you if you have a hunch about something and invite some some wisdom into that and really open yourself up to listening, I think you'll probably come to those decisions a lot faster because your gut really is telling you what the right thing to do is. I think you hit upon something there that's that's key though is being willing to listen, mm-hmm. and and I think that's something that many people struggle with. Um, in that the feedback you get can somebody sometimes be taken personally. And maybe it's given personally, I don't know. But, you know, think positive intent. I think if more people went with positive intent, maybe things would be a little bit more positive in the world today. Um, but to that point, you know, being vulnerable enough to allow for constructive criticism is something I think we need to do more as a whole. Uh, we could talk for an hour on that. I totally agree. Right? <laughs> Yeah. And I think too, we have to separate the issue or the problem or the opportunity from us as individuals. And that's really hard to do when you talk about the concept of like chasing your dream. It's your dream. Yeah. You know, and so there's a lot of heart and emotion wrapped up into that. But if you're trying to to convert your dream into a new business or a product launch or maybe a hobby into a business, like at some point you have to start to not have your identity wrapped up into that thing so that when somebody gives you either constructive criticism or suggestion on how to do it better, like you're not personally offended by that advice. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So as someone who's been in this arena, who has worked with people who are kind of chasing their dream in different ways, one of the things I have heard is you know, aside that let's say someone is willing to hire out that they aren't able to, whether for financial reasons or just, I don't know what to do. How do I go about it? You know, what would you suggest to that person? It has never been easier to find help and it doesn't have to be expensive. I think you, you know, there's all kinds of organizations out there that your listeners are familiar with from Fiverr to Odesk and Elance or whatever they're called now to, you know, to organizations like ours on the other end of it, where it's, you know, more dedicated resources that we provide at Belay. Like there are organizations out there that can take the, um, I guess the recurring mundane, the, 
you know, the work that you're not gifted at or isn't a good use of your time to do on a recurring basis, they can, they can offload that. Um, so I think financial, you know, constraints are real and I, I don't want to just to dismiss, to diminish them. Excuse me. No, you're right. I mean, the world is what it is. Yeah. But I would also say, and this is something I had to learn over time because as an employee, it wasn't intuitive to me. It didn't become a thing until I started Belay where I really started to look at the value of my time, like as a thing, like my time is worth something. And so when I look at, you know, opportunities like networking or, you know, the time that you and I are spending here, um, like that's time well spent. And that's something in, in my company that I'm the only one that can do. Um, but there are other people who can check my email and there are other people who can, you know, take care of the books. And so, um, I think once I really got honest about the value of my time, it made that financial constraint. I I just viewed it through a different lens. It made it more palatable to say, yeah, this writing this check feels like a lot of money, but at the same time, if I were writing myself, this check it would be a lot more. Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. And the other thing I would say also to tag on is, and this has worked for me because, you know, I'm not made of money guys, but I have built relationships with people and I have said, listen, I can't necessarily afford what you're worth at this moment, but if you'll take a chance with me and if we can work together at a negotiated rate, you know, soon as something hits, this will change up. And, you know, you can't, you can't just do that with anybody. You, you got to trust and build that relationship. But, you know, if there's a will, there's a way. Definitely. Sometimes we forget. We're so focused on thinking on what's traditional and what's in the box. We forget that we can think outside the box. Totally. I, you know, one of the things that I think helped us get a start early on um, and, and it still continues to be one of our greatest lead sources to this day is partnerships. Yes. You know, once you get something going and you have a proof of concept out there and you've got people who have seen the light, you know, they get the benefit of what you're providing. There's a subset of them and probably bigger than you think that will say nice things about you in the marketplace and they will point their friends in your direction. And so whatever program you can implement to reward them for that, whether it's, you know, paying for closed contracts or leads or whatever, like, that is money well spent because it really, it's one thing for you to go out there and pitch yourself or mm-hmm. your service. It's a whole different ball game when somebody else says, listen, my life has changed for the better because of belay. You'd be crazy to not check them out. You know, that's a whole different level of social credibility. Yeah, no, And I love that because I think it goes to the, and, and we, we've, we had so many things today. The, the last one I want to hit you guys with is, you know, who's in your circle, you know, because having people who support you and not, not just you supporting them, I think is so key. I mean, I don't, can you speak to that, Shannon? Do you agree? Yeah, we had a, a pivotal turning point in our business. So as I mentioned, we started in 2010. We didn't create the business to be slaves to it. So we took a vacation in the summer of 2011. Good for you. Yep. And we're like, all right, no, we can't afford this, but we're going to do it anyway. So, you know, we're, we're driving to 
to Jackson, Wyoming. And we, on the way from Salt Lake city, we get this, this text from some of our existing customers. So belay clients, you will never believe, you know, Michael Hyatt just tweeted out that he needs a virtual assistant. And we tweeted back, like, he's got to check out your company. And your listeners may not know who he is. I didn't at the time either, but he was a big deal in our space. And we had a very niche uh, industry that we were serving at that point. So like talk like big influencer in our circles and very long story short, he becomes a client and starts to rave about our solutions. And Brian's like inbox filled up with leads and he's on calls during this whole vacation. We're like, this is the best vacation we've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) And it just goes to show like, there's so many things that happen in business that are, you can't force, like you just got to flow with it. And that was a perfect illustration, but you know, he became and, and still is to this day, you know, seven years later, a great source of leads and partnership for us because we added value to him as an individual. Mm-hmm. We listened to him. He gave a great perspective and advice and was one of the catalysts for us branching out of that niche space beyond that space into where we sit today. And so I just think, um, some of those things are serendipitous. Um, some you just have to be incredibly willing to receive because they're going to come to you and you have to be a great steward of them when they do. I love that. I love that. Shannon, before I let you go, though, you know, we typically end with one thing. What is one thing you would re- recommend someone chasing their dream do today? Get very comfortable with not having it all figured out. Hmm. You will not have all the answers to all of your questions before you make that leap to pursue your dream. So get comfortable with that, whatever that means for you. That's a mindset you've got to pursue because there will, there will be times throughout the course of your business or your dream that you're going to be uncertain. And that's just a place you got to live in. She's right. She's absolutely right, guys. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for coming onto the show and just talking all this knowledge and dropping nuggets of wisdom left and right. I I appreciate it so much. Yeah, it's been a blast. Thank you so much for having me on. And guys, that was Shannon Miles. I loved everything about that conversation. We hit so many points. And if you missed it, or you want to find any of the links that we may have mentioned, you can find them over on the show notes page at amyj21.com slash episode 163. That's episode 163. So until next time, guys, take what Shannon shared with you today and keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's aimeej one Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.